I think that our human capacity to experience emotion and, and intellect and develop compassion and empathy are directly linked to possibly coming upon paintings and objects that provoke that kind of empathetic relationship. We need to touch base with our instinctual selves and believe that our instinctual selves has something to teach us. Like there's all versions of aliveness in the process and that's super exciting. For me, making something I can make, I can actually create something that has embedded within it a voice that just comes out of nowhere and I develop an intimate relationship with it. At some point it's done and it has its own life in the world. Welcome to Reckoning and Repair, the art that's touched Philadelphia. In this episode, Life Like Fragile Clay, Arlene Chiquette breaks down materiality and colour as vivid depictions of what it means to be alive in a human body as an object that retains memory. I'm Rachel Borthwick, a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania with a passion for helping people unearth their stories of healing, first as a student and also as an activist. Fascinated by the way that things are made, Chiquette likens her studio to both farm and factory. Employing an experimental approach to ceramic sculpture, she tests the limits of gravity, colour and texture by pushing against the boundary of classical techniques, sometimes fusing her kiln-fired creations with complex plinths formed of wood, steel and concrete. Considering herself an installation artist who happens to make objects, Chiquette focuses intently on ensuring that the display, sight lines and relationships of the objects in her exhibitions change with every view while maintaining formal equilibrium. I've always used colour. I've always felt myself to be a colourist. And even though I'm mostly a sculptor, I feel that those lines of separation really don't exist for me. During the pandemic, when things felt particularly depressing and grey, I had really felt for the first time in maybe 30 years that I didn't want to go to the studio and I didn't want to work. And I felt that color was a kind of language that would pull me from feeling that things were gray into feeding me with some kind of buoyancy. I was really just trying to create very intense, full-face view of a single color at a time combined with a surface texture that felt infinite. That turned out to be a tactic that did release me from feeling depressed about everything and also turned out that when I put them in the world, other people responded in the same way. And I think that there is this notion of art and maybe particularly color, it crosses boundaries in a way that our words or our writing in words cannot do. I feel really strongly that that's one of the things everybody is 
trying to find is a way to link up with other humans and relate to issues without people's skin crawling. Like what would be the pushback for color? The work I've been making in the last few years, I'm casting. Casting is an art term which is pressing into a form. And so I'm pressing into one part of a sculpture to make another part of a sculpture, to make another part of a sculpture. So it's one thing is cast off of the other. So the clay is cast into the wood to make an impression that is left by the wood. And then the metal binds it together. So it's a description of one part needing the other. And that description of things represents something essential I like working with materials that are alive. Clay, for instance, is alive. It's the earth. It's an alive thing. Wood is an alive thing. Even if the trees cut down, even if the clay is fired to 3,000 degrees, these things still show us they're alive by moving, continuing to move just microscopic amounts or sometimes not microscopic amounts, but they, they're they responsive. In being responsive, they hold memory immediately. They let us know where they've been. So sometimes with clay, I can move, pinch something and move it and dry and it can be fired and then I look at it and I can see, oh, wow, that little move that I made way earlier showed up in this finished piece. It's sort of like when now there's a lot of x-raying paintings and I'm involved in some project with the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and they're x-raying some Gustin paintings and we're finding all this like he painted over but it's still there you know it still exists what does that tell us it tells just some kind of keeps alive intention and it shows the process of art making is in a straight line it's just wobbly and wild and full of corrections and short stops and restarts. And all of that is a very beautiful thing. It's sort of like breathing, like holding your breath and taking a deep breath. Like there's all versions of aliveness. So the fact that maybe the clay and the wood are doing things without me <laughs> that's an, another layer of memory and aliveness that i feel in the finished piece is communicated to the viewer i've chosen clay and wood and other alive materials because they force me to stay present i feel that there is something great about using material that actually speaks to earth. I've also thought how funny it is when people talk about the fragility of, of clay, given that it's one of the earliest forms of making things. And 
functioned so that as a container used in a daily life and it still exists in you know archaeology as a measure of time is actually incredibly durable much more durable for instance than a painting i actually have tried to think about why it has this intense reputation of being fragile and some part of me thinks that relates to sound that if you were to stick your elbow into a painting, it wouldn't make any sound. It would ruin it, but it might not be abrupt or mess up painting with your hand or a grease stain or something like that. But with if a ceramic was going to break, it would make a loud noise. That's so traumatic. People are afraid of it. And it would also create shards, which would be sharp. You know, really, I think it's interesting how this thing that's very durable has this reputation of being very fragile. It's the fragility of life. I'm interested in communicating a more general sense of what it's like to be alive and in a body and that that's a pretty temporal situation, quite a fragile situation that we mostly block out in our daily lives, but we recognize in various things in our environment. And I like to have things that be on the precipice of self-destructing, but are actually engineered for durability. And so I feel that, again, there is this basic human yearning to have exposed what we're trying to keep secret. And one thing we're trying to keep secret is that we're going to die <laughs> and that our bodies are going to self-destruct. So this almost falling that you speak of or this fragility that you speak of really comes from something much more basic about being human. One is making art with the art object in concert with the art object. It's a call and response kind of relationship where you make a move and then the, the thing, if you tune into it, the thing lets you know what the next move is. And then you make another move. And if you're in the groove and you're paying attention, there's that kind of very, very strong relationship, more than any other relationship. It is listening to the thing and honoring that you're not completely in control. That's why I don't tend to make things where have it all figured out before, because then I would be in control and then that would just not be so exciting. Basically, if you're gonna make a life in something, it has to be fun. It has to have pleasure. And so that's one of the biggest pleasures is making something that is responsive. Thank you for listening to Reckoning and Repair, the art that's touched Philadelphia. Reckoning and Repair is a Centre for Experimental Ethnography project engaged with the exhibit Rising Sun, 
Artists in an Uncertain America, a collaboration between the African American Museum in Philadelphia and the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, open March 23rd to October 8th, 2023. For episode extras and information about the artists and episode hosts, please check out rnrphilly.com. <laughs>